In this episode of Board Game Impact, Josh is going to share all about how the World Series of Board Gaming went. So stay tuned. Welcome to the latest episode of Board Game Impact. Josh is here with us. I'm, I'm Bruce, but this is all about Josh today. Josh, why don't you introduce yourself for the second time this month? Again, this is Josh Isringhausen. I'm very happy to be back. By the way, Josh says again because we've this episode has already been full of all technical <laughs> difficulties. I know if you're listening to this, you're like, why do you say again? I just wanted to clarify. It's because we live stream these on fa- well, Facebook's being weird tonight. That's been the culprit. Um, so YouTube and Twitch tonight. And then we put the link to the Facebook one on the U- on, it, link to the YouTube one on the Facebook. So if in the future you want to join us for a live recording, make sure to hop on over there because we'd love to have you live on here because we can answer your questions, which is really cool. And then that content can go out to the wilds. But also, um, yeah, go ahead, Josh. Also, again, Bruce, because two times in in a month, I'm I'm very excited to be back on uh, another episode. So that is true, and we are very happy to have you back. It's a new old thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Um, but if this is your first time tuning into Board Game Impact, uh, Josh and I both work full time in higher education. I'm also finishing a PhD. I'm in the middle of my data collection, which is going great, by the way. And then Josh is in the midst of also other things. What do you have coming up, Josh? So I will be taking the law school admissions test, the LSAT, in uh, let's see, three days. <laughs> so no pressure. Uh, going for uh, my JD trying to get get back into the swing of being both a full-time staff member and a student. Josh, it's one of those things, it really just works one day at a time. Um, and that's just how it is. But I'm very proud of you for doing all of this because let's face it, you've been kind of doing the law thing in your work anyway. Um, you just have a very technical area of work. Um, but we use these areas of work and lenses um, to apply them to the game experiences that we're having for your gaming group's benefit. So make sure to hit that subscribe, but also hop on and hit subscribe on the YouTube, Twitch, and Facebook, so that way you can tune in with us live. Um, so today we're going to be talking all about what Josh just got back from, and that is the World Series of Board Gaming. Um, which again was the first time it ever happened. We just did an episode all about that and kind of Josh, Josh's preparations. Um, but I have one more thing to bring up before we jump into that. And that is part of why we do these live streams is to raise awareness for a nonprofit that we care about called Tabletop Alliance, which is a 501c3 nonprofit charity that Josh and I also helped found um, that and we volunteer for, uh, that sends games to schools, libraries, community programs, and in the last two years alone has impacted over 8,700 students across the US. And we're doing a campaign right now, as you're listening to this, if you're listening to this around when it was released, in which we're working to get to 10,000 students. And I'm very, very happy to like foreshadow that I've got educators waiting. Um, I literally was messaging with one today. Um, 
And all we need is the support so that way we can get the equipment and send it out to them. So this is to raise that support. So there's really cool things you can be a part of. You can play games and get pledges from people um, to when each game you log, people will donate to that. Um, you can just go on and hey, if I want to enter this cool raffles, because if you play games, you can get raffle tickets. If you buy raffle tickets, you can get raffle tickets. And we've got games like Arc Nova and Dune and Wingspan and Parks and many others. Uh, Black Rose Wars, um, Super Skill Pinball 4K. I'm literally like two copies of Twin It. Like many games that you could just win. Lord of the Rings, the card game. And so if you're interested in that, make sure to go to tabletopalliance.org. And if you click the donate button, it'll redirect to the campaign's website um, where you can get those raffle tickets. And if you just want to tune in, we're going to be doing two weeks of events starting Friday the 14th. So we've got board game trivia, classic board game night, and then hobby board game night and where you can win raffle tickets by participating so like that's going to be cool i've got a paint night i'm going to be painting marvel united miniatures um so that's going to be cool i haven't done that on stream before but i've painted a lot and so why not paint captain america and stuff and you can vote on who i paint as i go along so josh it's gonna be really cool and it's all gonna happen after you finish the lsat yeah it's gonna be a, a couple weeks of celebration and a little bit of downtime so very much looking forward to it. Really excited about everything we've got going on, especially with with Tabletop Alliance. I'm closing out this year uh, is a with a with a strong fundraiser. Will uh, really cap off a, a great great year. For yeah, us, so. yeah, and very excited for the, all the things that have been going on in the background for that. So I th I know you're here for a reason, listener, and so we're not gonna <laughs> do anything else but jump right into that. So Josh recap us what the heck was the world series of board game before you get into how you did before you get into how it worked what was it tldr so the, world series of, <laughs> the world series of board games uh was a event hosted over the final weekend of september into the first weekend of october so Oct uh, september 29th through october 2nd during the event there were 16 games that were selected and individuals were able to buy in to up to four of those 16 games that were played on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Or, sorry, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And then the winners of each of those buy-in games were then selected to the final or semi-final tables. There were four tables with uh, four players at each of those tables. The winners of the semifinals went on to the final table and the winner of the final table was announced as the champion, world champion of board games and received $25,000 along with a very nice bracelet. Mm -hmm. The winners of each of the buy-in tables was gifted a very, very beautiful uh, ring. Um, we, Bruce, I still owe you those photos. I have photos. You do owe me photos. <laughs> so we will get those, those things posted so folks can take a look at them. Yeah. Um, it was a really, really fun event uh, overall. It was their first year. There yeah. are some growing pains, uh, which we'll talk and get into a little bit about how everything went. But 
it was a really cool experience. Really happy to have been a part of it. Uh, the Dice Tower West Library was available uh, throughout the event. Uh, took place in Las Vegas, so never going to turn down a trip to Las Vegas. <laughs> and yeah, it was a, a really, really just kind of a, a, a fun way to manage a tournament. Uh, so, yeah. Thank you for that. So it was four days of buy-in games, and you could choose how many of those you wanted to participate before you got there um, based on how you registered. And then the final day was the semifinals in the morning and then the finals in the afternoon. And we'll get to like the logistics and who how everything went out. Um, Josh, you mentioned something, though, and that was a mentality that you were going into this with because you were going with some buddies from or from some different places. But you mentioned that you were going to this with the mindset of this is me going to a convention. I hope I do well, but this is also me. I'm just mindset going to a convention. I was curious how that played out for you. Yeah. One thing I've learned, don't don't go to a convention in Vegas. (laughs) (laughs) Did I freeze? You You did. We're back. Yep. We're back. So, so repeat the don't go to a convention in Vegas. I, I, I should not personally go to a convention in <laughs> Vegas. <laughs> I, uh, I did oh, really get Josh. some, I did get some gaming in outside of the tournament play itself, but not nearly as much as I expected. Uh, got Are you a playing more, elsewhere? <laughs> got a lot more craps played <laughs> than board games. So <laughs> there's that. That's a that's a me thing, not not anything <laughs> to do with the the convention itself. But yeah, I I didn't put a lot of pressure on myself to win anything. I I very much approached it from a lens of I want to have this experience. I want to see what this is like. I want to just have a good time playing board games and hanging out with friends and in that respect, I think the weekend was a overall success. Nice. Um, so, did you did you play games in like the general area, like with the Dice Tower West Library? How was that? I've never seen the Dice Tower West Library. So this is one of those things that I think there's some growing pains that this okay. event will have moving forward. I think there's there's the bones of a really cool event here. I, I really do. But I think that there are some concerns that I had that, that other folks I was speaking with at the event had as well, where it didn't quite live up to what we expected in some respects. Mm. Part of that, the Dice Tower West Library is the biggest gaming library in North America. And that was not represented at this event. I would say there was maybe a tenth to a quarter of the library there. Whoa, there was a that's lot. a big difference. There, there were a lot of games there. There were probably, you know, 10 shelves of games. Well, like but, for context, those like rolling shelf carts. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, because I volunteer with Board Game Geek Con, we have mm-hmm. 60. Yeah. Yeah, I would say probably half, if okay. not less, of what BGG Con 
generally has had in years that I've been there and not a ton of new games, right? That was, that was the other uh, issue or or point of, of frustration. I think a little bit is there were some new games floating around one really, really cool thing that I got to experience is I, because Bonacore was Stephen Bonacore was the podfather of gaming. The the podfather. I I believe he is the one who brought it, but there were a few copies of Terraforming Mars the dice game. Oh yeah, he brought that. He posted online that he brought that. <laughs> I knew yeah. he brought that. <laughs> there there were a few copies floating around, and cool. and so I got a chance to to play. Uh, a game of Terraforming Mars, the dice game. It went live on Kickstarter during uh, the World Series. Really, really good. I was not, I was not planning to back it until I got to play it. Very, very good dice game. I, I really enjoyed what it does. Okay. You got to elaborate on that, dude. Uh, What's going on? with this because i did not expect to talk terraforming mars the dice game right the dice game (laughs) i believe there are there's red green blue yellow gray so five different color of dice that you are rolling you start the game with a corporation that gives you a certain makeup of dice and that is your production and then you have a hand of cards that you are drawing and uh, playing which some of them will give you more production of certain different types of dice Mm -hmm. on your turn. You're taking dice. You're, you're taking the dice that you've rolled Mm -hmm. uh, during a production phase, which you can take at any point. You are spending those to play out cards to terraform Mars. It it carries a lot of the bones of Ares expedition or the original terraforming Mars game. And that it's all driven by the cards but how you generate resources is rather than looking and saying, okay, I generate these resources, I get them, and I go on. Mm-hmm. Rather, you are saying, I'm going to take a production action, which means I discard my hand down to however much I want, and I draw new cards up to five. I discard my dice that are in front of me down to three. Oh. And then I take all of the dice that I would produce and I roll those and then that becomes my pool of resources to utilize. Interesting. So your pool changes every time you do production. It can. Yeah. yeah. There are also, if you're not taking a production action, you always have the ability to either choose one color die of your choice and roll it to add to your pool, or you can discard a dice of your choice to change the value face value of any other dice you have to whatever you want it to be so there's some really cool dice uh mitigation of of your roles that are at play in the game i i just i really enjoyed what it did it's still in that and granted, I think we taught and played in about 45 minutes to an that's, hour. That's crazy for Terraforming Mars themed. So it's, I, I think it, it kind of scratches that itch of, of a Terraforming Mars game, what we've come to expect from a Terraforming Mars game with a little bit of okay. a quicker play style. So okay. really enjoyed that. 
But yeah. outside of that, you know, there weren't a ton of new games in the library. And Arc that was because an Nintendo brought them. It brought it. Like yeah, yeah. You know, there were a few copies of Arc Nova floating around, but that was probably the biggest like new game. And Arc Nova is what six months old, five, four, five, six months old. I think more than that because it was in the yeah. BGG Hot Games room last November. Oh yeah, it came out last November, last October at Essen. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, almost a, a year old. Yeah, nothing. I mean, nothing that I personally saw. And yeah. there wasn't like a hot game section. There wasn't anything that you could go and and check out. So definitely room for improvement. Definitely room for improvement there. The other part convention side that was a little bit disappointing was a lack of vendors. So there was one local game store that brought games for sale. Was that the but- Goblin group? There was a couple tables that had finalists from the green goblin game store. I don't think so. I think that might've been a different, okay. different store. Cause like Bonzinator and stuff. I saw them all mm-hmm. playing. Okay. Yeah, I'm not sure. Okay. Uh, but out there was, you know, one, one table folks were selling some nice custom dice sets and leather made goods to carry different things in and then that was about it. Okay. Really, really kind of disappointing vendor area. Okay. Well, so, I, and I could see, I could see a first convention, right? Yeah, Definitely absolutely. not necessarily drawing the vendor crowd. Absolutely. And right. It's a week before Essen. Right. It was, yeah, there's, there's definitely reasons why. And I, like I said, Room for growth, room yep. for improvement. Yep. I'm not I, holding I think, it as a knock. It's more of a you learn as you go and you add things, ex- right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So, so but your intent, your intent though, was also treated like a convention with buddies, and it sounds like you got that. Yeah. You know, yeah. we we had a good time. We we did some gambling. We played some games on the side. We I I had a good time for the most part in yeah. the tournament. And yeah, which is where we're going to turn next. Yeah, Um, absolutely. So tournament, how it worked again, just to remind from earlier, each day there was you could participate in an A game. You chose how many of those days you were participating in before you got there. And then Josh, like what time of the day did it get started for you? And just as a reminder, Josh entered in with Brass Birmingham and then Terraforming Mars. Um, Yeah. So like what time of the day? Because your first game, like you flew in, other people you went with had games that day and you had games the next day. Yeah. So we flew in on Wednesday. There were a couple games that were played on Wednesday uh, afternoon. So Splendor, uh, Seven Wonders, a couple other games that, that I'm blanking on now were played on Wednesday afternoon. And some of those started around, you know, one, two o'clock in the afternoon. Okay. I played Brass Birmingham on Friday and Brass Birmingham tournament started at 11 a.m. It was Friday. I thought it was Thursday or Thursday, Thursday. Thursday. Thank you. Friday. I didn't play anything. Saturday, I played Terraforming Mars and that started at 
I'll say eight or nine. Okay. I'm blanking on exact time, but it was eight, eight or 9 a.m. is when I had to to be there for terraforming Mars. So, so yeah. So walk us through. Okay. You show up for Brass Birmingham, that mm-hmm. first full day of your con. Mm-hmm. Kind of what happens next? So do your check in. They assign you to a table. There were 16 tables for Brass Birmingham. They tried as much as possible to get to a for four player games mm-hmm. to 16 tables for terraforming Mars. They actually had 25 tables uh, oh, wow. because they couldn't cap it because they had 25 tables because for terraforming Mars, they were able to play five player tables. So rather than right for brass Birmingham being a four player maximum game, they had 16 tables that whittled down to four tables that whittled down to one table mm. for terraforming Mars. They had 25 whittled down to um, five whittled down to one. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. Other games. And, and I was fortunate. I didn't have this problem. They're another kind of hiccup. Yeah. is some games didn't have many people as many people sign up so dominant species for example the marine was maritime it, edition the mar, uh, marine edition marine yeah. edition yeah did did not have a full group to get to 16 tables so a number of people actually got a buy through the first round and if only actually with with dominant species they had so few people sign up for it that eight people ended up having to play the first round and 14 people got a buy through the first round. So, so more, more got a buy than did not. Yeah. Woof. And, and so there were a few games that were like that. I know like Steven Bonacore posted that he got, he advanced to the semifinals of Carcassonne mm-hmm. because there was, he got a buy from the first round. Yeah, quite a few, quite a few of games had that situation come up. Okay. Brass, brass, they didn't get to 16 tables of four, which was fine. My first table was a table of three, which was not what I was expecting, right? Mm. Brass Birmingham does change pretty significantly from a three to a four player game. Mm-hmm. And it changes your strategy quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So there were some people who were more upset by that than I personally was. Yes, I had practice for a four-player game, but ultimately, I think it's a sign of a good game, a, a good gamer, to be able to adjust yeah. to the circumstances that you're faced with. Yeah. And so I was comfortable with that. I would have been more upset if if there was a situation where people were getting biased through yeah. and not having to play a full three game series because with brass Um, Birmingham, what changes really is a, the card number of cards of each in the deck. mm -hmm. So the count can be off for people if they've like memorized that I could see that. So more importantly though, you lose Mm -hmm. one of your shipping areas and you lose a, you don't really lose the section of, of the board. But it's harder to build into one section of the board, right. a three-player game. 
which actually ended up working out to my advantage. So, <laughs> what do you mean advantage, did, Josh? How how'd that one go? <laughs> I I did pretty well overall, uh, much better than I expected. Not much better than I expected, but better than I expected. I won my first game of brass Woo. and had a very good time doing it. I actually, I part of the reason why I won is I went up to Belper which is one of those towns that are not actually included in the three-player game and used only industry cards, was able to completely control Belper for the game and and all of the links around it in the second era. Wow. So, and I ended up getting all of my links out in the second era. With 112 points off of links alone in the second era, I scored a 195 on in Brass Birmingham. Hands down, my best game of brass I've ever. Well played. done, Josh. So Whew. I I was really really impressed uh, with with that game, but really awesome experience, right? That was a great experience of everyone at the table knowing the game pretty well. And part of it was I didn't score great in the first era. I really focused on setting myself up for the second era. And the other two people kind of saw that and Mm -hmm. looked at me as a non-threat and really (laughs) focused on each other Uh and and allowed me to really kind of run away with things uh, in, in that second era, which can happen in a three player game there. Some would argue, right. That my strategy, my way of playing that game, generally speaking, isn't always the best way of doing it. I was very much giving myself points. Yeah. I I wasn't really relying on other people to score me very many points. Yeah. And that's not always successful, but just in this, in this case, because of the way things played out, it, it worked really well to my advantage. And I think the key thing that you're saying there, though, is you have to be able to shake up your strategy to meet the actual game being played at the table. Yeah, 100%. Which brings me to the second round of brass. Yeah. Where things... Did you get a break between the two? A little bit. I So we were... My table was the first or second table of brass done. And this is one of the reasons, like, I had a really great time with it is I do find that when I am at a table, the game goes faster. Yeah. I very little issue with AP. Mm-hmm. Generally speaking, I know what I'm doing on my turn before it's my turn, and I do what I'm going to do. Very rarely, if someone blocks me out of that do i take more than a few minutes because i i'm generally looking at what is my move and then what is my next best move yep if i can't do i mean that's like when i played twilight imperium a couple weeks ago like Mm -hmm. i won the thing but i was most proud of that i did i only took an hour of turns and the next closest player was an hour and 50 minutes yeah right like that's a thing (laughs) yeah and and that's Probably one of, I'll get in more to that when we talk a little bit about terraforming Mars. Brass went pretty smoothly overall, especially that first game. So I had about an hour break 
between finishing my first game of brass and starting the second game. Some people though were finishing the second game and going sh- or first game and going straight into that second game. Wow. Which definitely can cause some That's some stress. Stress, yeah. So that second game of brass was I think I texted you this, Bruce. Yeah. Hands down, one of the coolest gaming experiences I've ever you had did. in my life. You did. Uh, specifically, like, yeah, this is, yeah, you wrote, this is unlike anything I've ever experienced. It it was the level of play at that table was really, really cool. Like, could you just feel Every, it? You could feel it, but everyone at that table scored i consider a good score of brass to be 160 okay everyone at that table scored less than 140 but the reason being is everyone knew the strategies of brass so well that no one was leaving openings wow. for people to take advantage and score points yeah. And you really had to fight tooth and nail for every point you were getting. Every time people were taking market was full again, right? There every time people were taking what? Sorry, you cut out. Every time people took iron out of the market, someone immediately was filling the market with iron. Every time coal started to run a little dry, people were filling it with coal. Every time you left, if someone left a barrel of beer on the table, Mm -hmm. it was not going to be there by the time it got back to them. Wow. Period. And so you just, you couldn't leave those openings. So you had to, if you were going to be taking iron, you needed your second action to be filling the iron market because if you didn't do it, someone else was going to. Wow. And so really really cool experience now this is where ap started to set in for people in brass Mm -hmm. and the game took about three hours longer than a game of brass would typically i would consider a game of brass to be two hours max yeah but i wasn't upset by that in any way shape or form at the level at which people were playing at and generally speaking people were maybe taking a little bit longer to make their decisions, but never to an extent that I was disengaged from the game. Right. I was fully invested. Now at a certain point I had to start standing up and walking around and stretching because it's just a long time to be sitting in one place. It is. (laughs) Uh, We've been plugging away at the Lord of the Rings movies. And honestly, after like two hours, they're like, ah, got a stretch break. Yeah. (laughs) We're doing the extended editions for the first time for us. We've seen them many times and not the extended, but okay. So brass, you're playing. It's a different level of play. Literally the text you sent me was this is unlike anything I've ever experienced. How and you're it's kind of cutthroat. Um, yeah. you have to do both your actions and maximize it, otherwise, you're not gonna. Um, how'd that second game go? The essentially the semifinals for brass, yeah. So, I ended up taking second place in that game by three points. Oh my god, 
That is nothing. And no, it really wasn't. And it was a game that I think the first and last place was separated by maybe 15, 20 points total. Oh my God. And Which in like a regular, like Brass Lancashire, the boat is 25 points. That's one boat of points. That's crazy how close those are. Ugh. Truly, honestly, I had no one at the table had any idea who was in the lead until final scoring was done. Wow. So then, and so you finish, you come in second. Brass, come in second. I, I just have to say, I was inches away. The there was there was one player at the table. I had set out, mapped out a strategy where I was going to score twenty points in the final round or final two rounds. And right before my turn, the person in front of me took one of the spots that I oh. needed, which oh. which ended up. I was still able to do most of it. I ended up scoring 15 points in the last two rounds. But those those extra five, five. that extra five points is what, what would have, would, what would have done it for me um, in the, to to win the game. But really, really great time. I really, at that point in the weekend, I thought that this was hands down the coolest, coolest thing I've ever been a part of. That's cool. That's cool. That's really cool. Well, congrats on having that feeling. Yeah, no, I and honestly, if, if that was the way, I think every game would have gone. Yeah, I think people would have been real. Like that was what I think people were looking for. And by the way, have, congratulations to Josh Bowley for winning yes. the ring. Yes, I was. Uh, I was very impressed with everyone who was playing that game. The Did you get to see the un- finals for each of the games? They were streaming some of them online. Right. Yeah, I could watch they were not, some of them. There's four of them. So they streamed Seven Wonders, Acquire, Azul, and Blood Rage. Yeah, they, they were not letting folks into the room where the tournament was taking place unless you were actively playing in the tournament. Okay. So no one was was allowed to stand around and watch. Okay, so after you finished that second game, I assume you just took a break, played some things? Yeah, I think after that second game, we... I was the only one who was still in games at that point in the day. Mm. And so we went back, grabbed, grabbed some dinner at that point. I don't, we may have played one game. Um, but for the most part, we were just kind of taking it easy, relaxing a little bit that evening. A couple folks had some pretty early morning games mm. on, Friday that they wanted to to prep for. So nice. Um, so then you didn't compete in anything Friday, but then you competed on Saturday. Yeah. So talk to us about Saturday. Saturday, com- Saturday competed in terraforming Mars mm-hmm. and did better in terraforming Mars than I expected. I kind of went into terraforming Mars, not expecting to do very well. I ended up Winning my first game of terraforming Mars as well. Yeah, Josh, getting to that semifinals. 
But this is where I started to... How long was that first game? That first game was about three and a half hours, close to four hours. Okay. It's a long, I just wanted long reference time. point. Yeah. yeah. That's long and that's already long. Yeah. For people who know the game. And, and this is where I had already started to hear, especially by Friday, some rumblings and grumblings of people who were frustrated by the way certain parts of the tournament were being ran, like the people getting buys, like the issue of king making at the table or table talk. There were a few situations where people sat down at the table and realized they were sitting across from people who were best friends who had come to the to the tournament together and mm-hmm. they were seated at the same table and no one was proving that collusion was taking place, but certain things just people were seemed, stressed. people were stressed and, and things sometimes seemed like people were being a little bit more generous to mm. people they knew at the table. Interesting. Well, I know like in one of the games I was watching, which was Blood Rage, which played out really well, but two yeah. of the players were super, super, super vocal, like super mm-hmm. vocal. And then the other two maybe said 10 words the entire two and a half hour stream. And so there's like, there's a, a definitely a dynamic at that I could even see at some tables. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But where where I started running into some issues with with terraforming Mars is quite frankly at my first table mm-hmm. there was someone who very clearly did not know how to play the game all that well. They may have played it a few times before in preparation, but not extensively. To the point that I really don't think I would have won mm. if it wasn't for the the person at the table who didn't seem to know what they were doing giving me a lot of points so where were they I, I sitting played, in player order in relation to you they were sitting next to me and they so didn't on your right t- they were on my left okay um but we we rotated drafts true right so you true. drafted left you drafted yep yeah so you draft in the beginning of each of the phases the phases Huh. Yeah, it's an interesting thing about that game where you do both directions of drafting. Yeah, yeah. And I think the way they handled the drafting and everything related to that was really well done. But it doesn't stop player choice. It doesn't stop player choice. But the person really didn't give me a ton of points on cards. What it was is I was playing as the uh, Tharsis Republic and dumping out a ton of cities. This person gave me probably 12 points by themselves by placing greenery tiles around, around your my cities? cities. Oh. Woof. Yeah, that could do it. So, you know, and the implications at, of actions. At certain points in the game, they had the ability to be placing those next to other people's cities, right? And dispersing some of those points, but continued to build around mine. Yeah, And so it it very, very much read as I know how to play, but I'm not really in tune with the strategy of, of the game. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, one thing I definitely saw on the Blood Raid stream, so Bonzinator, who's a Twitch streamer, um, commented how she had played a whole bunch of Blood Rage before coming on Board Game Arena on um, stream on Steam, but had never played it in person. And like, so the mm-hmm. upkeep of things and like what things look like, it was having to like learn that at the table for the first time, or I guess the third time because it was our third game of the day. But yeah, it's just kind of yeah. interesting. Yeah, there were there were some issues with with that to a lesser extent, I think, with some of the other games. Um, where I think things really kind of went downhill for me with Terraforming Mars, though, was in that second game. Talk to me about it. That second game took almost six hours. Josh. Six hours? Yeah. How? Um, the biggest part of it was yeah. the drafting. Interesting. I didn't expect you to say that. What was frustrating, and and this was very clearly one of the people at that second table, even though that was a table of people who had won the first game, one person did not know the game at all. I very clearly had gotten lucky in their first game and really did not know what they were doing. Hmm. The biggest time suck on terraforming Mars with the drafting is people were not drafting with what they were keeping in mind. So, you know, I get drafting takes a little bit of time. You want to look at the cards. You want to look at what you have in your hand. You got to think about your strategy. Can you, and you can get a lot of cards in terraforming Mars. Yeah. But generally speaking, in my opinion, you should know three things when you are drafting. You should know how much money you're getting yep. that you're going to have to spend. Yep. You should know what your general strategy is. And you should know what everybody else at the table's general strategy is in case something comes along that you just have to hate draft. And there are cards in Terraforming Mars that you have like like the pets card because i will take it i will play it (laughs) same oh side note and you need to rewind was there a pets card in terraforming mars dice game i didn't might not have seen it okay okay i just need to ask ask. they're my favorite little fluff ball sorry (laughs) i do i do love the pets card (laughs) yeah pets card actually probably won me the first game um The the issue that, that we were having is a couple of people really were drafting their cards and then taking five minutes plus just looking at the four cards that they drafted to decide what they were buying and what they were getting rid of. Oh, at the decision point at that decision point? At that decision point. Oof. Then you would have AP on players' turns. And and that drug things out. And then you would have the issue of people slow playing, right? So in Terraforming Mars, you have the choice to take one action or take two actions each round. Yep. Taking one action that does nothing to change the board state and then passing 
Mm-hmm. And then people getting into a, like towards the end of the game, getting into a standoff, right? I'm going to sell one patent on my turn and then I'm going to skip my second action. I'm going to sell one patent on my turn and skip the second action because people are trying to feel out are you going to end this game? Yeah. We have one heat point left before the game is over. Right. Are you going to end it? Am I going to end it? Huh. Or can I hold on to some of these cards if we're going to play one more generation hmm. and try to score some more points in that next generation? Wow. So I'm hearing three things, Josh. I'm mm-hmm. hearing one AP at the decision point of drafting. Mm-hmm. I'm hearing unfamiliarity with cards, mm-hmm. right? And the game. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I'm also hearing part of the game's design itself yeah, might not lend bit. it to the environment that was created unless you do some things to the environment to change the behavior. Because yeah. people are a yeah. function of their behavior across the, uh, their people's behavior is a function of the environment across um, the experience, right? Yes. So, yes. like, you got to alter them to change the behavior. Exactly. And that slow playing piece, yeah. as frustrating as it could be, probably was the least of the of the time sucks. Like, at the end of the day, that was as as frustrating as it was to be like, I'm I passed, I'm out. Yeah. And now I have to sit here for 15, 20 minutes doing nothing while you two slow play one another mm-hmm. was frustrating, but was probably the least of those uh, of, of those offenses. Interesting. The, the real challenge there that, that I had is I was sitting next to the winner of that game and I ended up taking second in that game as well. Um. I ended up sitting next to the winner and very early on I identified this person is like what their strategy was going for and like, okay, I know the cards that I cannot pass this person. And consistently every time we were passing draft cards the other way, they were getting outstanding cards for their strategy. The person on the other side of them, Mm-hmm. was the person who I feel very clearly did not know the game that well Ouch! and was consistently passing them exactly what they needed to keep their engine running and to keep their, um, their point scoring yeah. high. And so that was frustrating, right? It, it didn't feel right. Comparing it to that brass game, that yeah. second game of brass, that second game of brass, I felt everyone at the table really, really, really knew what they were doing and that made it interesting that made it engaging that second game of terraforming mars didn't feel that way Mm. and it just it drug and part of it is also the game design there a little bit too right that's birmingham everybody ends on the same action right at no point is anyone sitting waiting for other people to do right each round it's back to you and we all run out of cards at the same time. Right. There were generations in Terraforming Mars where I did one or two actions. And then I sat for 35, 40 minutes without taking another turn while everybody else did stuff. 
Woof. And that's at a certain point, I was out. I was done. Part yeah. at, at a certain point, I I stopped caring about winning. I didn't want to win. You were just utterly disengaged win. by I the environment. Want, I didn't want to move on to the like at a certain point, I was like, I'm done with terraforming Mars. I I cannot play another game of this. I don't want to win and go on to the final table. Wow. Wow. I, and, and, you know, so I, I, again, yeah, I don't want this to be a, a no, dump fest. Right. I, I, but I though really your feelings are valid. Is, I will like, you have your feelings yeah. in that moment. You were done. Yeah. I, I, I want to see this event be a success. Yeah. I want to see them grow. I, I think it can be very them, good for the hobby. I want to see them do really cool things. They have a lot of growth to be done, right? There was mm-hmm. no advertisement for this event. Very little. Only really to the most loyalist of loyal. Right. Even BGG, there was no, there was minimal, yeah. if any, advertising on BGG. So I'm just going to pause you right there, Josh. Just do want to give a congrats to Levi Moreno for oh. winning Terraforming Mars. Yes, absolutely. The and, and for sticking it out, I think they yeah. were done at like, I think at the end of the day, that was 13 hours of Terraforming Mars that he played, if not more. Um, I see. I just wait. Uh, so wait, they started at eight. Yeah. The finals. The no, the the first round okay. started at eight. Yeah, I think the finals ended around one a.m. So it was that's some endurance. That's some endurance. Yeah, yeah, fifteen, sixteen hours of. Well, of I remember games. watching this one of the streams, and it was between picking a next round of game for mm-hmm. the finalists. Mm-hmm. They were having to rush into that so fast. One can one participant was eating food. Because he didn't get a break between the things. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of improvement to be had. Yeah. But I think this were, I- idea of an event is good for the hobby. Um, yeah. I do think that because I think it, it brings out those moments, like you said, Josh, of, with Brass, of a whole different level of play. I think streaming competitions like this, very cool. Mm-hmm. I wish we saw more of it as somebody who yeah. was not there. I was actively tuning into every stream. Um, but there's a lot of cool, um, that could come from this kind of thing. I really wanted to watch some of those finals, right? Right. Yeah. You were there (laughs) and they weren't letting us in. Like we had to, if we wanted to watch, we had to go back to our hotel and pull up a laptop and go on YouTube to, to like, there are things that even having, I I understand if you don't want people standing around the table. Sure. World Series of pokering it and putting a ring around and saying you have to be outside of this area. You can't talk right about what's going on. There's procedures Those for types. this. Yeah, and also a, or, an event called World Series of has some expectations. Yeah, or even having the live stream set up yeah. and having a a giant projector in the big gaming hall. Yeah projecting the live stream yeah right there there are ways that they could very simply improve parts of this that that i think and again i really hope you know if someone from that event honestly i'm i'm not going back next year as a participant i was gonna ask i'm 
I'm, I'm, I'm not doing that as a participant. That being said, I am filling out an application to work. Okay. I, I do believe in what this event is trying to do. And I think that it can be good for the hobby. They, they need to be willing to listen to, to what some people are saying yep. at, at this point. And I, I am a little disappointed because it sounds like they're not making any substantial changes next year, which is as little, of yet. It's only like been like as two of weeks. Yet. Yeah. Yes. Yes. But they've already announced a lot of what's happening. Uh-huh. Right? They announced they, it they, when we were talking about the last episode. It was what was live on yes. the website before this mm-hmm. year even happened. Yeah. And I think they, they could have done a better job. I, I know what they did. Yeah. to determine the games that they got rid of. All of the games that they got rid of for next year and replaced with new games are the games that had buys in mm. this year's tournament. I mean, if it's not filling the seats, right? And that's fine. Sure. But... I think they could have done... <laughs> I think they should have replaced more. Yeah, and I frankly. that probably makes sense. But I'll also say this. Just because those ones different didn't have buy, like they had buys, right? Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean they would have filled up had marketing and other things changed. So it's like it's a nebulous of interconnected things. Yeah. I would particularly recommend looking at what's the game design. Does it lend itself yes. to the format? Are we able to manage this? Is it going to fit within the structure? Are we able to work with those publishers? Like offer, there's things mm-hmm. there. Um, yeah. I have a question for you. Yeah. So for the nonprofit, we actually have approval from Asmodee to run official Catan tournaments, which can send people to the national like qualifier to then go to Malta, which that's where it's happening in like a month for the world Catan tournament. So like next spring, I'm looking forward to having a Catan tournament, right? You have to have at least 16 people, those kind of things. The, The structure there though, is there's all these local events and then the essentially the local events weed out the whole I've never played this game before thing. I'm curious what your thoughts are on some of that versus I show up for the first time potentially. And that's something that we talked in in my group a lot about as a a potential way to address some of these issues. The other part of I think the challenge with the way it was set up is there was no cost differential between playing three games and playing four games. Oh. If you signed if you paid for three games, yeah. the fourth game was included for free. Mm. There was no difference in cost between three and four play uh, three and four games. Just one more night at the hotel than an earlier Just, flight. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And so I spoke to people who said I've never played this game before. This was my fourth game. Mm. I didn't know any games on this day. And this seemed like the most fun. Okay. And so there were people who were showing up and outright saying, I don't know how to play this game. Interesting. And, you know, there's two ways to look at that, right? One is, hey, they're an easy beat. Yeah. But in some of these games. Well, actually, I have a comment on that here in a second. In some of these games, you look at a thing like you, you look at a game like terraforming mars uh-huh. you look at a game like Catan. Uh-huh. you look at a game like acquire all of these games if you don't know what you're doing it's so easy to king make yeah without knowing what you're doing right without realizing that you are there were other situations of people 
and I don't know how you fix this. This is just inherent to board gaming. I, I had a, one of my buddies in my group was playing great Western or no, sorry. It wasn't great Western. They were playing, uh, they were playing lost rooms of Arnak in one of the satellite tournaments. It wasn't okay. one of the main, main tournaments, but somebody at the table who wasn't winning looked at the, looked at the board and said, Oh, if you buy this card, you win the game. What? If I buy the card, he wins the game. Knowing that it did nothing for him, nothing for his strategy, and just said, oh, I'm going to buy the card. He wins. You lose. That can be and rough. That's, I, I don't know how you fix that. I don't know what the solution there is. But outright kingmaking really... I'm really, opening a really book hurts. for you, Josh. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. You. Yeah. Outright kingmaking can absolutely hurt. Um, and and it. I, it, I, I just. I don't book. think it has any place in a competitive. Now, granted, like I said, that was in one of the side tournaments. It didn't go towards any prizes. I think the people who won the side tournaments got uh, two hundred and fifty dollars off next year's. Yeah. Um, entrance fee. Yeah, and then the winner gets to go for life. Yeah. 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 Um, so speaking of two things, one, I heard some commentary that was on one of the streams, which actually I really did enjoy most of the streamers of the job they did. And Josh, I think I don't know that I would go to play in games, but I absolutely would go like I would go to like be a streamer at the thing. Yeah. I would absolutely in a heartbeat be a like a host and I, doing commentary. I would freaking love it. I would love I was talking to some of the judges yeah. like in between games and just kind of walking around, hanging out with them. I would love to do that. Like, I think that would be great. Just coming in, answering questions about the rules, letting folks know like, Hey, here's how things are going to go. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I actually went up during that six hour game of terraforming Mars. At one point I walked up to one of the judges out of earshot of the rest of the table. And I said, Hey, Y'all don't need to make one person like you don't need to say anything right now. The issue at this table is not one person taking 20 minute turns. The yeah. problem is everybody taking five minute turns. And, you know, I don't want you to say anything right now, but I strongly encourage implementing some type of chess clock system, right? Yep. You have 45 minutes for your turns throughout the game or whatever that might be, but setting some type of limitation on it, some type of expectation that you have to play at a reasonable pace. Yeah. I agree with that. And yeah, it makes sense. But also um, I heard a comment on by one of the commentators saying that they talked mm -hmm. to people. I know we're going a little long, so we're going to wrap up soon. Um, yeah. A commentator mentioned how they heard from some participants saying they actually enter games intentionally that they know less about because they mm -hmm. want to get that ring and then have the finals be the game where they know the game's the best. Yep. Okay. So you felt that too? I, I think that that was at play for okay. sure. I think that there were situations like that. Um, 
Hmm. Yeah, I like I said, I. It's just a dynamic I think is important to address, but yeah, I'm excited I, for it to be improved. Yes, and and I really hope that they do. And you know, at a certain point, we were talking and and we were kind of complaining about certain aspects of it. Yeah, and one of the staff members like walked up with a notebook in hand and said, Hey, what feedback do you guys have for us? Like, what can we do to improve? Like, and as long as they're taking that stuff seriously and they're right. implementing some of those things and they're listening to people, I think this can be a really, really great thing for the hobby. Like I said, I'm signing up to see if they want people to work next year. Yeah. I will happily go back and work this event and work with them to try and make some of the improvements that I think as a past participant would benefit the experience of, of the players. And from an educational lens, right? Mm -hmm. Like we got to think through the whole life cycle. How do you educate on the front end? How do you set people up for the changes? How do you implement the changes? All these things. How do you design around that experience or that instructional elements, right? So, huh, yeah. people are here for this tournament. We should probably show the tournament. Um, yeah. Right? Um, so, like, holistic thinking. And so I hope that they take your feedback. Um, I do have to ask you one question that came in from a listener post last episode. This one's from Justin. Um, Justin just wants to know, Josh, did the players who won win because of the best strategy or was it more random? I just have to ask it. So I will speak from my experience yep. playing two highly, highly strategic games. Brass Birmingham, the person who won Brass Birmingham, at, at least the table that I was in, the, I didn't see the final. Yep. I don't know. But the person who won from my table one purely off of strategy. Okay. Just outright. And, and and I can't imagine the person who beat me in that game going on to that final table. They didn't win the, the, the finals. I can't imagine them losing to anybody, to but any, a top. to anybody, but someone who yeah. was also highly, highly strategic in what they were doing. Okay. Terraforming Mars, I think, I mean, the person who won that second, that semifinal table for me, they won because they had a very good strategy. Now, that strategy, I think, was in part fed yeah. by someone who didn't know. I think. But they still had clearly, the strategy. Yes, they still had the strategy. I think there was very clearly someone at that second table who got lucky in their first game. I can't imagine how that person won a game of terraforming Mars the way they, if they played anything like they played at that second table. Yeah. I, I like, I'm not saying that to knock them like that, but truly, honestly, I just, I don't think they were that skilled of a player. Okay. Okay. So yeah. Strategy for your experience. For my experience. Yeah. Now, Talking to folks who are playing games like Splendor, talking right. to folks who are playing games like Seven Wonders. I mean, Carcassonne, you're just drawing randomly off the pile. Yeah. You place what you get. <laughs> yeah. Those, I I wasn't involved in them, yeah. but hearing people talk, there was a little bit more luck involved with okay. some of those. Okay. Um, so, and I definitely saw, especially with, I watched the Azul 
one mm-hmm. that was super cutthroat holy dang oh yeah, yeah. i can't imagine oh. <laughs> um i will and then one of the quiet individuals from blood rage is the one who won and i don't think it was luck because they were they actually and, skyrocketed past everybody in the in the last age and um, he was actually the overall winner he was uh, so that's han shi lee um yes. who also has a um, twitch and youtube um Terraforming Mars, uh, not Terraforming Mars. Blood Rage was not the game he was expecting to go far in. No, he actually was in my second table of brass. Oh, he was the, he, was the, <laughs> he, he was the player who blocked me out of my 20 point move. I mean, you um, lost to and, the guy who cost- won it all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but he um, did, he didn't win that second game of brass. Did he, he didn't win that okay. second game of brass. He he he's the one who prevented me from winning it though <laughs> so he's the one who blocked those five points <laughs> he's the one who blocked those five points okay so, okay <laughs> um but yeah i uh i i couldn't have happened to a nicer guy i talking to him yeah. during that very uh, humble it seems like brass game very very humble very very nice i really like wish him all the best i think he is well deserving of of that win mm-hmm. very 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 good gamer Good. That's great. And that's how you kind of want that to go. Um, Yeah, absolutely. So, Josh, I thank you for the rundown. This is a longer episode than normal, but I think we had a lot to unpack in a cool way. And I definitely definitely learned a lot um, from this and look forward to hearing, hopefully, how they make some changes for next year. Um, And so, do you have anything as any well wishes that you want to send to the audience before you go back to studying for the LSAT? Thank you, everybody. I really need this break tonight <laughs> to uh do something a little bit fun so really glad to be here um and hopefully we can start doing these a little bit more regularly together absolutely. Bruce. absolutely looking forward to that uh, thanks for being on here josh kick butt on the at lsat so that way we can go celebrate and play all sorts of games for two weeks after that um but thanks for listening to board game impact hopefully learning about the experiences that we're having are making a positive impact for you and your gaming group and if it is make sure to rank us with a five star and whatever or whatever ranking system is on the podcast platform that you're listening to because that helps the discoverability and helps get our message out there to help more people. Uh, if you have any e- uh, questions or things you want us to talk about on the show, email that to boardgameimpact at gmail.com. You can follow us on all the social media at boardgameimpact. And until next time, go make your positive impact on the world.